Cam Rising is coming back to Utah. So what does that mean for Cam? And what does that mean for the Pac-12? Let's go. Our Locked On Pac-12, your daily podcast on the Pac-12 Conference. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Locked On Pack 12. I'm your host, Spencer McLaughlin. Thank you so much for making this your first listen or your first view of the day if you watch on YouTube. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your number one source to stay up to date with our beloved Conference of Champions. Please continue to like, comment, subscribe wherever you listen to or watch this show, which today is shared by me in the hosting department with my man, JT Wistersill of Locked On Utes. I am wearing this slightly darker red shirt just by coincidence, actually. Uh, and this news broke not that long ago, but Cam Rising is coming back. Many of you know JT already, so we need no further introduction here. JT, how do you think this all played out for Cam Rising? This is unbelievable. And I know I think I talked recently when I was last on your show about the fact that he is still coming back. But it was one of those things like the longer it waits, the longer it goes on. It's like, well, we all thought he was for sure coming back. So what's what are we waiting on? Is something going to change? Is something going to happen? And no, he ends up coming back. He got hurt in the Rose Bowl. We don't know how long he's out for, what the timeline looks like. But when you're even when you're trying to go to the NFL draft, I think he wasn't going to be in a position to be signed by anyone as an undrafted free agent because he wasn't going to be healthy. So I think that's a big thing that played in. He wasn't going to get drafted based on some of his performances this past year. Some performances, he looks like a guy worthy of getting drafted. Other ones, not so much. So I think for Cam, it just became a point of, okay, let's come back. Let's rehab and let's make another run of things because, yes, back-to-back Pac-12 champs is pretty good. But how about a three-peat? That sounds um, unbelievable. And I think once he realized some of his weapons were coming back too, Devon Bailey coming back now, Brant Keithy coming back, Thomas Yasmin as well coming back. He's going to still have an elite tight end duo. He'll have his top receiver back too. This has become, I mean, the only thing he really doesn't have back is his top tackle because Brand, Brand Daniels is, decla- is declared for the draft. But outside of that, I mean, you get a bunch of other guys in the offensive line returning and in a system, you know, going to be the same. You're going to be the guy unquestioned. I think it's a great opportunity for Cam to come back, have an even stronger year in 2023, maybe put himself in position to land a more secure spot on a roster. Because as I mentioned, just because he was dealing with the injury, I don't think he was in a place to do that. And Look, I also think he can make more money by coming back to school, as we touched on last time. Look, NIL money is more, I think, for a starting Pac-12 quarterback in a market like Utah than it would have been as an undrafted free agent, which, once again, he would have had a hard time getting because of the injury. So it's a great opportunity for Cam to come back. It's great for Utah coming back because, look, if Cam and these guys wouldn't have come back, they're not in the discussion to repeat anyway as Pac-12 champs. It's already going to be tough for them to do so based on all the other talent that's added. But when you have guys who have already reached that mountaintop, it's hard not to say Utah will have a chance to do so again, and that's all because Cam Rising is coming back because it still starts with quarterback. It's the most important position on the field, as we all know. It, it is indeed, and a bit later we're going to discuss where Cam Rising fits in the, the slew of starting quarterbacks that are slated to be in the Conference of Champions next year, and it's uh, stacked to say the least. Even losing Tanner McHugh declared for the NFL draft, there are still a lot of really, really good names in there, but for Cam Rising, I, I'm totally with you, JT, that this is probably the best move for him. I, I do think it's a very real possibility. It might seem harsh or you know, kind of offbeat to say, but if he doesn't get hurt in that Rose Bowl, win or lose, I think there is a chance he he comes he comes out of college and goes yeah. to the, the the NFL because for him, obviously, you know, he's been such a great player for Utah. He's such a great guy. 
a, a humble leader. You know, the way he handled the whole Caleb Williams and the painting of the nails situation, I thought was, you know, pre- pretty perfect on, on his part, right? Is, you know, he, he gave a little nod to the fans and told them what they wanted to hear, but he didn't go overboard with it. He didn't, you know, start tearing up Caleb Williams or, or anything like that. Like he is, he's very Utah. He, he's buttoned up, grown up, professional, and also a, a really good football player. But I think even with the loss, he was probably considering his options. But I'm with you. The injury just kind of makes that uh, unrealistic. But as a guy who obviously loves Utah as well, I do think losing that Rose Bowl game contributed to to getting him back. So it's kind of this this push and pull for Utah, right? You lose the Rose Bowl, and he gets hurt again, unfortunately. But on the plus side, you get him back. You'd probably rather have him complete the game and you finally win the Rose Bowl, right? And he ends his career on that high note. So I, I think I think there's a, there's an upside and and a downside here for for Utah. It's you know Cam Rising's coming back, great, but then the downside he's coming back because we fell short of that next goal that we were trying to achieve. Yeah, that is the tough part. And I will say Cam has been one who's already stated now that he said he'd made his mind up to come back for the Rose Bowl. Look, I don't I haven't talked to Cam. I just don't feel like that's the case. I mean, you watch how things played out. I have a hard time believing if he stays healthy in the Rose Bowl, he was on the path to have a really strong performance. He was helping keep Utah in that game when a lot of things weren't going right for them. I just have a hard time believing if they had, if you if he had found a way to miraculously win the Rose Bowl off an incredible performance, he wouldn't have declared. That's me personally. He can say he was always coming back. I'm just not sure. But yeah, it was a tough blow for Utah and that's where it's great that he is coming back and they now have an opportunity to return not just to the Rose Bowl, but to a prominent postseason stage with the expansion, of course, coming. If they just do what they've done the past few years and finish in the top 12, they earn the right for a college football playoff spot. Could even be in a position to host games, do more than that. Will be something fun and interesting to see. Does how he, does he have out. eligibility going into 2024? Because expansion comes in 24, I believe, is what they're looking at. Is it 24? Okay, then maybe I'm just jumping the gun then. Yeah, you might have been yeah. jumping the gun just just to... <laughs> Just, I need to, just to a wee bit. To get my teammate, basically. That's what it's coming down to. If I want to get Utah to that point, so I'm just that's life. That's life as a Pac-12 fan at this point. Without expansion, that's we true. don't have a chance of getting into the playoff, which is why many of you want the expansion, and why I personally don't want the expansion. But it appears my wishes will uh, will, will not come to fruition there. But I think he has a great chance to to up his draft stock, which I don't think is particularly high. He's big enough. He's mobile enough. He's, you know, a great leader. I think he'd do very well in, in an interview, probably do pretty well in the Wonderlook test as well. The thing that's missing for him is being an elite arm talent, which yep. which he is not. But I've seen guys who I didn't think were great arm talents or great college quarterbacks get an opportunity to at least make a roster in the NFL. Most notably, Oregon's and formerly Boston College's Anthony Brown was starting for the Ravens, yep, it was because of injuries to Utah's Tyler Huntley and Lamar Jackson and that weird situation there, which reminds me a little of Kawhi Leonard. That's a take for another time on, frankly, a, a different show. But I, I just feel like you have that instinct with Cam Rising of, ah, yeah, he's got this this shortcoming here on that front. But I've seen guys who I thought were worse in college than Cam Rising by a significant amount get an opportunity. So I, I do think... He could at least make a roster one day. Yeah. 
Yeah, when I look at Cam's game, I mean, the one thing I think that stands out too is he's just such a phenomenal leader. Kyle Whittingham called him one of the best leaders he's ever coached. I think it's a really valuable skill in an NFL locker room. If you do come in as a backup, Cam is going to be able to galvanize the locker room, let's say, if he gets that opportunity. But when looking at Cam, what does he do as well? He's extremely tough. We saw him get absolutely obliterated. His soul left his body, it seemed like, for a split second in the Pac-12 championship game. And what did he do? Just bounced up right away. He didn't wait for his teammates to come up and pull him up. He just bounced up right away because he really is a warrior. He's extremely tough. Sometimes it's cost him. Look, he got obviously got hurt in the Rose Bowl because he didn't take the slide on that one. So what kind of ended up giving out with out, giving out on what it looked like he was attempting to slide. But he's a very physical quarterback, a very physical runner. He's guys not afraid to QB sneak it. Very involved in the quarterback run game between the tackles. And does do a really good job navigating the pocket too, which I think is a nice skill. He can't move around. He just a, doesn't necessarily have a gunslinger arm, but can make some nice decisions and throws on the move. He's done it a few times, and I feel like as the season's gone on each year, he does a better job of distributing the ball, going through his progression more too so he's by no means a first round quarterback as we've talked about but he can definitely do a lot of nice things and i think would be a nice asset to an nfl team especially because he's not a guy who's going to come in there and cause problems for your team he's going to be a great asset he's going to be a really good backup as he was with tyler huntley who's looking who has who's holding the tablet and kind of looking through and going through everything and telling you what he's seeing and trying to break things down so i think he will be a huge asset whenever he's going to go but one thing's for sure he's going to be huge assets to this utah football team in 2023 and just looking individually at his career prospects you know Chase Daniels had a good life, man. Chase Daniels <laughs> yeah. had a really, really good yeah, life. Still not getting yes. hit, not getting hit very much, and making a few million a year. It's not yes. bad. It's not bad. Exactly. You could do a lot worse. You could also do a lot worse with Cam Rising compared to other Pac-12 quarterbacks. Where does he stack up? We will talk about that. But where do Built Bars stack up on your snacking list? Because uh, they should be really, really high. If you're looking for a delicious treat, but you don't want all the fat and calories, you got to try a Built Bar. I've got a bunch in my cupboard. I've always got at least one in my golf bag. We just got through the holidays, and I know that my goal, like many of yours, is to eat a little healthier this year. If you're like me and you want to do that, but you don't want to compromise taste, then you've got to check out Built Bars. With Built, healthy is actually tasty. They're so delicious, you won't even think they're good for you, but they are. They're perfect for your New Year's resolution. They're covered in 100% real chocolate, 100% real chocolate, no ifs, ands, or buts about it. They've got incredibly delicious flavors like churro, peanut butter brownie, coconut almond. Mint brownie is my personal favorite they've got so much more low calorie low sugar high protein got everything that you need head to your local walmart or sam's club to grab your built bars or you can check out built.com all right cam rising within the pack 12 is an interesting conversation you and i discussing this before we came on the air to record right now going into 2023 we know for certain who nine starting quarterbacks in the league are going to be. We do not know UCLA because, yes, they have Dante Moore, who looked really good. I mean really good in that East-West Bowl. He he looks legit, really legit. We don't know Stanford's. We don't know Cal's. We don't know UCLA's. So those are the three teams that have quarterback questions, and I'm going to throw this out until I speak it into existence, which I failed to do with Cade McNamara to Oregon State, but it worked out anyway for the Beavs. Ethan Garbers to Cal. It makes way too much sense. Just way, way too much sense. But that hasn't happened yet. So of the nine guys coming in at the quarterback position in the Pac-12 next year, I think Cam Rising, he's certainly in the top five, but I, I think he's sitting there at number four. That That's where I've got him. I put Caleb Williams first. Michael Penix second, Bo Nix third, Cam Rising fourth. And coming into this year, I did not have Penix that high. 
obviously, but I had Caleb Williams first. I had Bo Nix at, I think, fourth, and I had Cam Rising at third or second around there. I think that's about where, where he is. And frankly, I don't know that that's indicative of just how good yeah. of a player he really he really is, right? I think it's more a testament to how stacked the Pac-12 is going to be at quarterback this season. No question about it. The best quarterback conference in all of college football, really. And yeah, I honestly, I agree because you look at it, it's obvious who number one is. He just won the dang Heisman Trophy. I mean, yeah. come on, Caleb Williams, what he does. I still, I think the Rose, I still think Utah would have pulled out the Rose Bowl win, but man, it would have been a very different game if Caleb Williams didn't get hurt. You could see how the game really. The Pac 12 championship, you mean? Yeah, thank you. Pac 12 championship game. Thank you. And look at all the special things that Caleb's able to do maneuvering around the pocket, buying time, and then the arm strength as well. And Michael Penix is a guy who can just dice defenses up what he's able to do. So then to me, it really comes down clear one and two. And then it really comes down to a Bo Nix versus Cam Rising situation. And if you're looking at the full season, how they played in 2022, I think you got to give the edge to Bo Nix because he was a little bit better. We saw Cam early on in the season, throw some interceptions that really cost this Utah team, make some mistakes, struggle in a few opportunities. But I do think, I mean, like to your point, Cam's a very good quarterback still. He still belongs in this top five for what he's been able to do. We know he's a guy who shows out in the biggest games. His two performances against USC were both outstanding, especially the first time around. I know he was feeding Dalton. I know Don Kincaid was incredible too, but someone had to give Dalton, feed Dalton those balls, and he was the one who made the play to win, get them to win by going for that two-point conversion. Has powered his way through in as he's able to do. But I think for Bo, I give Bo a slight advantage just because of that arm strength, as you mentioned a little bit too, and some of those accuracy things where I feel like Bo just had a slightly stronger season. I think if you could easily see these guys flip-flop next year because I was someone who had Cam as the top quarterback in the conference. I felt like he slightly regressed, but then still did a lot of positive things. It's just hard when he you're still going had great guys. numbers. Exactly. It's just hard when you go against guys like Caleb Williams. And yeah. Penix and Bo Nix. Those are really and, and I think our expectations also got really high for him, fairly so, because he coming into 2022, he was the reigning first-team All-Pac-12 quarterback, right? So the coaches and the media dubbed him the best quarterback in the league for 2021, and he played that way. You know, once he took over the the, the starting job and played exceptionally well. And yeah, you can say he took a little bit of a step back, but that's still a high level quarterback, one who can clearly win you a conference championship. We know because he's you know done it each of the the last two years. Here is the one thing I will throw out there with those four guys because I I think they are the most surefire bets. Everyone else has, you know, a question mark here and there, as we'll get to in in just a moment. But of the four guys that we have at at the top, Caleb Williams, Michael Penix, Bo Nix, Cam Rising, three of those guys will have the same coordinator next year, and Bo Nix will not. And we don't know what Will Stein is going to be. We know what he was at UTSA, but we don't know what he's going to be with Oregon. But Ryan Grubb, is back with Washington, and I think he's probably, at least from a passing game perspective, the sharpest OC in the conference after Lincoln Riley, right, and play caller. Lincoln Riley is still there with Caleb Williams, and they know each other very well. That's the best duo in in the league going into 2023 for sure. And Andy Ludwig will still yes. be there for, for Utah. So because I, I don't think he's someone who's going to be on uh, in, in in that coaching carousel, you know, the one we see from the Dr Pepper commercial, but which I find hilarious, by the way. Yeah, I anyway, um, I think that's an advantage for those guys over Bo Nix. He doesn't have to get used to, or th- they don't have to get used to a new play caller, whereas Bo Nix will. Mm-hmm. No, it's absolutely true, and I think when you look at Utah, coach, what Andy Ludwig and kind of Cam have, they have come along together. How much? I mean, you mentioned Washington too. I mean, the Michael Penix, the leap he made in just one year there too, 
I mean, Grub is really good. Yeah, Grub is he's fantastic. I mean, you just don't see guys usually explode like that after struggling so much. I feel like I'm sure there's examples of it, but off the top of my head, I can't remember a guy with such a sharp turnaround where it was like, I just remember Michael Penix doing nice things against Penn State when he was at Indiana. And then mm-hmm. now he's dominating at Washington and he's uh, beating up on Texas while I'm Steve Sarkeesian's losing his mind over my new thing before the game, too. Oh, That's gosh, that was a bad look. <laughs> yes, it was it was a very bad look. Uh, Texas is going through it a little bit right now, but obviously the Pac-12, as we mentioned, in a great place when it comes to quarterback play. We haven't even mentioned guys like Jaden Delora, Cam Ward, too. There's a lot of talent in this conference, and it doesn't just stand with the top four. Yeah, uh, uh, that note on Penix that you pointed out, by the way, he'd never been able to stay healthy, so maybe he just needed a full season. But in the last 11 games he played at Indiana, his combined completion percentage was under 60% and had a touchdown-interception ratio of 18 to 11. And then he pops this year for over 4,500 yards, the leading passer in the country, 65% completion, 31 to 8. He threw yeah. more touchdowns this year for Washington than he did in his four combined years. Again, injuries played a big part of that for sure at, at Indiana. Like it just it, it's amazing how that how he has changed and evolved in a good way, of course, for Washington as a player. The offensive line helped keep him healthy this year. But I think Grubb, who's the play caller, not DeBoer. DeBoer des- deserves credit too, obviously, for that entire turnaround. But they 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 raised his salary twice this offseason. Yep. They raised it once, and then they raised it again because they decided, yeah, we don't want you to go take a head coaching opportunity over here, which means he was probably talking to a school or two at the very least, not surprisingly. And I think his situational play calling is just really good, and Penix executed, executes it at, at such a high level. But I want to go through the rest of this quarterback list yep. with you, JT, because we agree on the top four there, Caleb Williams, Michael Penix, Bo Nix, and then Cam Rising. Number five. A lot of different directions you could go here. Sure. I'm a huge Jaden Delora fan. People who listen to the show know I have been since he went to Arizona. I'm like, great, you got stability, going to increase your win total. They went even beyond my expectations for this year. And I think they're in a good spot with him even after losing Dorian Singer to USC. However, I think the potential for DJU to really get into a groove and not be asked to do too much combined with his arm talent at Oregon State, I think that's really intriguing. So I've got him. And and by the way, people love to pile on DJU because he was a big name and a big prospect, and he was going to Clemson. He's supposed to do all this stuff. Didn't live up to the hype there. Got benched a couple times, for sure. It's a very different offensive system. Very, very different. Very quarterback-reliant, whereas here he has to be a complementary piece. I think that could be exactly what he needs to really thrive and going into 2023 as of now with the quarterbacks who we know I've got DJU sitting at number five. I really like it. I mean, you look, look, DJ, you gets way too much crap. I mean, those Clemson's teams had a lot of issues outside of him too. We saw him in a couple of really strong performances too. I remember the game against NC state where DJ Uyunglele put the team on his back basically, and then got them the win. And yes, there were other games where he didn't perform as well, but he's a guy who's done a lot of really good things. And there was still a also, for- also just real quick, their offensive line stunk. I watched yes. it against Tennessee. They got worked and Cave exactly. Klubnik was running for his life. Oregon state's offensive line is good. And they're bringing guys back. Very good. Very good. Yeah, I think he's going to have a really strong year with the Beavs. I mean, he's a guy just because, 
I mean, the ex- expectation he had to live up to is Trevor Lawrence, who in only his second season now in the NFL went from the dumpster fire of Urban Meyer to working with Doug Peterson, <laughs> turning everything around. Like when you get Jacksonville to the playoffs, that's an impressive feat that only he and Blake Bortles have now now accomplished basically in the last few seasons. But overall, when I'm just talking about DJU, I think he's going to be an outstanding quarterback and have an outstanding season this next year. And I'm nervous about, look, we talked about Penix. We talked about DJU. We talked about Bo Nix. We talked about Caleb Williams, of course. Three of those games, Utah's on the road for. And those are going to be very difficult Oof. and hard environments for them to win in. And I am very nervous about DJU. I also wouldn't be surprised if he is better than Cam Rising next year. I think there's a lot of people that are like, huh? But I think you would look at a lot of the good things he's done. He's There's a reason he was the next guy after Trevor Lawrence. And I think he still did a lot of really good things. And especially as a complimentary piece, sign me up for DJU all day. Yeah, I, I think he can. I think he can really, really thrive with Jonathan Smith and, and Brian Lindgren now in uh, in that system over there. And oh gosh, there's so many great quarterbacks in this league. Awesome. So I, I've got Jaden Delore right below him at at, at number six going into uh, next year. And also, just a quick note, and this is you know maybe something we'll have a clearer picture of after spring football and rosters finalizing whatnot, but I am not picking Utah to three-peat as Pac-12 champs next year. You know, they kind of backdoored their way in with Oregon blowing it in in the fourth quarter. They got there, certainly earned it, right? It wasn't given to them. They went out there and took it from USC, who punched them in the mouth early, and they responded. But their schedule next year, not just the non-conference with Florida and Baylor, but their conference slate is tough, as 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 you mentioned. Just, just a note, I... Uh, I, I had pop into my head and that's, you know, kind of how the show works. Stuff pops into my head and then I tell you, you tell me I'm an idiot and then we just kind of go on from there. So uh, I've got Jaden Delora right below DJ and one slot above Cam Ward. Now this is, I went back and forth on this JT. Here's where I landed. Arizona overperformed compared to my expectations this year. And Delora was a big part of that. Cam Ward and Washington State. I picked their I, I picked their preseason record exactly correct at seven and five, and I thought they'd lose their bowl game because they lost their coordinators, and they did. So I had a good feel for them all year. They did not surpass expectations; they met them. Arizona surpassed. Yep. Arizona surpassed, and Jaden Delora was working with a much worse defense than what Cam Ward had at Washington State this year. And though I I like both, I think Cam Ward maybe has a higher ceiling because he's a bigger body, has a little bit of a bigger arm. I think right now, Washington State won, I think, the same amount of games with with Cam Ward as they did with Jaden Delore, and Arizona won more. I I, I think Del- I, this is close. This is close for me, Very but close. I got Delore right above Cam Ward, right above. We're not NFL teams. We're college teams. So we're not looking for who has the higher ceiling or who has the higher potential down the road. We're looking for who the best guy is right now. And I do agree. I think that is Jaden Delore. You look at what he did. Look, Cam Ward, I think a lot of people thought he would be a one and done. I think there was expectations that he could have some success and maybe have an opportunity to go to the next level. And that wasn't the case. And he still did some nice things, had a good season. That's why this is discussion. But Jaden mm-hmm. Delora absolutely did a lot of things that were very impressive. You mentioned the defense. He Look, those are very good receivers. He helped elevate them too. He made some big time throws. He's got a good arm back there. I trust him more. If Cam, let's say Cam had left Utah and it was like, who could you bring in, Delora or Ward? I would want Delora to come in because I feel like as a college quarterback, I would rather have Jaden Delora. If I'm drafting for the NFL, maybe I want Cam Ward to come in and sit for a couple of years and then maybe he's my guy long term. But for right now, I think Jaden Delora is the option. I think he definitely did have a better season. So I think it's fair to put him above him. And then wrapping out uh, this list, I, I look, Drew Pine is fine. If he's your ninth best quarterback, your league is in a good place. But 
you know, in the games he played at Notre Dame, yeah, he won a bunch of them. He threw for under 200 yards a game. He's not lighting the world on fire. He he's serviceable. He reminds me a little bit of Jack Plummer. He's yeah. He he can make some throws. He can have some nice moments. He's not carrying your team. You probably don't have that high ceiling as as an offense with him back there, but he'll do some good things from time to time. And so I will put Shudder Sanders just above him mm-hmm. at, at number eight going into next year at this point in time. I, I, I think it's Sanders eight and then and then Pine probably at, at number nine. And Sanders at the very least a better athlete. He was playing at the FCS level, so like Cam Ward, he'll have to make that jump. But we've seen guys yep. do it before. I, I think you just got a higher ceiling there with, with Sanders than with Pine. So I'll, I'll put him at eight and Pine at nine. But, you know, that could change on a week-to-week basis in 2023. Yeah, it absolutely could. And look, I think Sanders is going to have a chance to do some great things with Colorado. But we just got done talking about that adjustment from going to FCS to FBS. And FCS plays really good football. But a lot of those guys, if they had the opportunity to, they would obviously be playing at FBS over FCS. So it's just something fair we got to discuss. And I do think, I mean, it's all the Heisman hype has been a little crazy. I think it's just because of what Deion's oh, yeah, bonkers. do Colorado. And I look, it's not, it's not like they're going to have the best. He's going to have the best supporting cast around him either. It's not like these receivers are like right in the world on fire. Let's say like a Jordan Addison did at USC last season either. So I think Sanders can do some nice things and could easily probably be the guy I look at the most where it's like, how high could he climb? Like, honestly, I think there's a world he could climb into the top three, as much as it pains me to say that with all this Utah stuff in the background. I think there's at least a ceiling for that, but I don't expect them to, because I think it is really hard in your first year coming over, making that adjustment. And you're not going to have the best players on the field, kind of like you did at Jackson State a lot last year, too. So it just takes time. He's a really good quarterback. And in a lot of other conferences, he'd be even higher on this list. But it's just the reality of the situation that Pac-12 is loaded. Yeah, so I think we're in agreement there on uh, the nine quarterbacks as as they stand. I am curious who Stanford ends up getting a quarterback because they haven't been able to hit the portal very hard. I think Cal should get Ethan Garbers. UCLA probably starting Dante Moore, but maybe it's Colin Schley from Kent State. He was a pretty productive guy over there. Um, but bringing it back to Cam Rising, just to, to wrap up today's show, JT, I, I don't expect Utah to even get to the Pac-12 championship game in 2023. Not an indictment, just the reality of college football. It's really, really hard to do. You have a better chance with Cam Rising. What do you think the impact is on the Utes conference three-peat hopes bringing Cam Rising back at the quarterback position? I mean, without him, I don't think there is any hope to do that. I'll be honest with you. I think Nate Johnson is a really good quarterback who I'm really excited to see get the chance. But when you have all these other guys that we just spent an entire segment breaking down who are established and have done things at the college level, it's hard for me to turn to the guy who hasn't, who's only thrown one college pass and be like, yep, we're going back to the and winning the Pac-12 championship game. I just can't do that. But now I can because we can rising's back. Brant Keithy's back who's not just one of the best tight end, who's well, is the best tight end in the conference, in my opinion, coming back, but then also is just one of the best pass catchers coming back. Let's not forget, he dominated Florida in the first game of the season. That was a big game for Utah where a lot of guys, especially on the defensive side of the ball, it was really a struggle for them. But Brant was able to go out there and show up and honestly probably would have led Utah in receiving yards this year. Maybe Dalton continues to do what he does, but he definitely detracts from what Dalton was able to do. So Brant's done some outstanding things. When you factor in Devon coming back another year where he gets stronger, I think it's really interesting for this Utah team, I'll say this, because I think we all looked at this year was like the year that they would win the Pac-12. They were able to do it, but it was in some ways a disappointment because you didn't control your own destiny, as you talked about, Spencer. All the crazy things that had to happen happen and go right for them to board or make that game. Utah's going to have a chance to be even better next year. I think you look at their defensive line, there were a lot of question marks there, and maybe in terms of a pass rush, that'll still be the issue, but the, the defensive tackle spot, I think, is a 
huge strength for this Utah team. And you look at how Song Samote Peppa came on the season, what Junior Tafuna's done. You get your two other defensive ends back healthy who both had strong moments in the season. Another year, Orlando Barton, the conference defensive freshman of the year. I think he is going to really break out next year. Rene Reed will be back. Still get some strong secondary play on the outside. Look, Clark Phillips is a devastating loss for this defense, but I think there's other guys who can step up there. And look, Dalton is straight up perfectly replaced because you have Brant Keithy coming back, and then you have a perfectly capable number two tight end, Thomas Yasmin, and still a guy on the outside capable of doing some things. And Devon Vele and the signal caller to get it all done with a running back who really broke out the end of the season in Jaquinda Jackson, too. I feel really good about Utah's chances to return to the Pac-12 championship. I mean, I'm sure I'm being biased right now, but I feel like they will have a chance to do so. It's going to be incredibly hard for them because of how difficult that schedule is. You made a great point, Spencer. Last year, in a lot of ways, it really lined up for them in terms of Lincoln Riley and USC. They had to come to Utah. If if that game was in Southern California, it probably doesn't work out the same way for the Utes because of how close it was with the pro-Utah crowd that day. So I think it's going to be really hard for them to do it, but I definitely feel optimistic about it because – all their guys are back. And those guys, as much as I like these other rosters in the conference, Utah has so many guys that have reached that top. And I think they'll have a chance to do so again. It's going to be exciting no matter what it is because there's going to be a lot of primetime games that the Utes and the rest of all these great teams in the conference should find themselves in that not just Pac-12 fans, but all of college football fans should be looking forward to. Well, we don't bring you on for unbiased Utah takes. So that would that would just completely defeat the purpose. I mean, why why put up all the stuff behind you on the wall or wear the the red hat or the matching red polo if you weren't going to be supporting the Utes through and through? His name is JT Wistersill, host of Locked On at Utes on YouTube and wherever you listen to your podcasts. Always good to talk to you, my friend. Always great, Spencer. Appreciate you having me on. I appreciate everyone listening. I will see you next time and have a wonderful rest of your day.